Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast, the number one baseball podcast that was snubbed from the All-Star Weekend festivities. Yes, I was not selected to go to the All-Star game. Unfortunately, I was one of the many snubs of the selections. And that's just how it goes sometimes. You know, you can't you can't win them all. And uh, you, you're never going to be able to pick the right podcasters to go to the All-Star game, you know? They just haven't looked at my underlying numbers. You know, the, the fan voters, the more casual voters, they're looking at my raw numbers. They're not great. My peripherals, though, however, fantastic. Off the charts. I'm just I'm just waiting to have a huge second half, actually. And then uh, they'll rue the day they didn't include me in the All-Star game. But this is the All-Star break episode. This will be coming out the day of the Home Run Derby. I am recording this the day of the MLB draft right after the Mariners just took the series in Houston against the Astros, won three of four games. But All-Star break has been happening, I guess. The All-Star break is technically now. All-Star weekend's been happening. The HBCU Classic happened. Celebrity softball game was yesterday. That was fun. Felix Hernandez hit a, hit a donger. Uh, a bunch of stuff's been going on in Seattle. It looks really cool. One thing I will say, it's it's interesting. I lived in um, uh, near Seattle in my whole life in Bellevue, Washington. And I move out after school to Southern California. And, and the year I move out that I'm not living in Seattle or near Seattle anymore, they have the All-Star game there, which is pretty unfortunate. And I'm not going to be there, which kind of stinks. But I'm glad that I know a lot of people who are going. I know a lot of people who um, are going to the Home Run Derby tomorrow and went to like the Futures game yesterday, which is cool. I'm, I'm glad uh, the MLB world will be shining on the great city of Seattle, especially Seattle. You know, right now, the weather looks fantastic. It's been getting warmer up there every year, obviously, for climate change reasons. But the weather looks fantastic right now. They have a lot of free stuff to do. It looks like I, I think they planned this all-star game really well, and I think it's it's going well, and I think it's going to go swimmingly. I think uh, it's it's good to see some shine on not only the Mariners, but the city of Seattle and the broader scope of MLB. But all-star game. I haven't really talked much about the all-star game. I could have last week. I, I don't necessarily like to take part in the all-star game discourse because I think it's kind of stupid. Because uh, when all-star games, when all-star rosters are picked, everyone always rushes to the internet and be like, oh, how did you not include this guy? It's like, listen, it turns out there are a lot of good baseball players that are deserving of an all-star nod. And also, it's never even worth complaining about it because the guys get put in anyway. Half the team usually doesn't play in the all-star game. Injuries, some guys just don't want to play because they want the break to go see their families, which is fair. Like, the Mariners, they got Luis Castillo in initially, and then with replacements, they got Kirby and Julio in, which is really cool. Uh, there will always be snubs. No one will ever be entirely pleased. I'm more about the All-Star game. Like, put as many people in there as possible. I, I don't really care. I think the All-Star game should be fun. I think it should simultaneously recognize the best players in the sport, while also just being fun, because it's inherently flawed to have the all-star game represent the best players in the sport. If it's just representing the first like 80, 85 games, right? The best first half. So really uh, what I'm leading up to is put Ellie De La Cruz in the all-star game. Just do it. I don't care how many games he's played. He could have played a week. We just saw him steal first 
or steal first. I mean, listen, if anyone's going to do it, he's going to do it. We just saw him steal second, third, and home on, I believe, two pitches in the same at-bat. And I get he hasn't played that many games, but just put him in the All-Star game. Like, put the most fun dudes in the game. It's where I stand, like, with all the replacements and stuff. Like, it was, it was amazing to see George Kirby get selected for the All-Star game. Just awesome. Great for him. I think, honestly, it could have he could have been the main representative over Luis Castillo. There's an argument to be made for sure, but I'm glad they're both in. And then Julio... Was Julio the most deserving AL outfielder of the crop that didn't get selected? Honestly, from an objective viewpoint, maybe not. I might have selected someone else, but also it's Julio Rodriguez. It's in Seattle. He's electric. They put him in the All-Star game. I'm totally for that. I want it to be fun. This is why I don't take part in the discourse, because people, it's always snubs this, snubs that. How did this guy make it? It's a fan vote. It's a player vote. So it's inherently flawed. Fans don't know what they're voting for. They're voting for their favorite players, which they should be representing the All-Star game, sure. And even player vote's pretty flawed because the more and more I hear about players in, in Major League Baseball, a lot of them, most of them, I mean, they're doing their job. They don't have that much time to pay attention to who is really being amazing in the first half. Like, they generally know, obviously, they know who the best guys are. They play against these guys. But I, I know a lot of players or a lot of media members have told me that players don't know that a lot about what else is happening in baseball besides the team they're playing right in front of them that day. So it's it's not something that should be like a marker of validity for how good these players have been in the first half. Like it's inherently flawed. People are going to miss out on it. Let's just put as many fun dudes in the All-Star game as possible to make it the most fun experience. Uh, and I also just, now that they have all MLB teams, I kind of want to get away with evaluating a player's career, Hall of Fame case, whatever, with All-Star game votes because we're seeing how kind of kind of flawed the process is. We've, I mean, talked about this for, for years in baseball. It's like, why do they have the... Um, one team needs to have an all-star. I mean, if you really want to have the best players in the game, you shouldn't force each team to have an all-star. But at the same time, I understand it. I think it's good for fans in general, casual fans, no matter how good your team is, to be able to flip the all-star game on and see a player who's on your team in the all-star game. I think that's a good thing. I think ultimately it's a good thing. I might be in the minority of keeping that rule in place because I generally just think it's good for each fan base to at least have one dude to rally around, and I think it's a good thing. No matter how bad your team is, like the Royals or the A's, there are still good players on those teams. Like Brent Rooker is very deserving of being an all-star. Even like Ryan Noda could have been a deserving all-star. It's I just want it to be fun. I just want it to be a fun weekend, and that's my take on the all-star break, and that is why I don't talk about all-stars that much, because... Especially leading up to the game, like saying snubs right after the rosters are picked, like, come on, half the guys aren't going to play. Just wait until the reserves and the replacements are announced, and then you can get angry. Um, but that, the All-Star game, whatever, I'm done talking about the selections. Uh, we'll see what happens in the Home Run Derby. Our, our main man, Julio Rodriguez, is back in the Home Run Derby, and I just want to say... I don't care the outcome of the All-Star game. 
I do care if Julio wins the home run derby because I think I need Julio in that home run derby chain more than anything I've ever needed in my entire life. That chain goes stupid. It goes so crazy. They did not need to snap like that, and they did. I am so absolutely for getting rid of any other trophy and giving that chain out. Like, a city-centric home run derby chain for each All-Star game goes stupid crazy. Are you kidding? That's awesome. The chain is, like, beautiful. It's got an amazing Seattle, like, tinge to it with part of the the Cardinal Direction arrows, like, on the Mariners logo, on the chain. It's amazing. I think that is a fantastic thing that they've done this year. And all I need is Julio Rodriguez to win and wear that chain around because I need it. I need it more than I think I need air. He would look fantastic in that chain. That would go so dumb crazy. Uh, But that's really the only thing I care about is Julio winning the All-Star or the Home Run Derby. I'm once again asking MLB, please, can you please uh, do a metal bat home run derby? That's all I've ever wanted to see. I I fantasize about major league players hitting with metal bats. Like, give them a metal composite bat. I just want to see how hard they can hit it and how far they can hit it. I don't think you could really have this in... Obviously, you couldn't have fans in the stands where the home runs would go. Like, behind home plate and all that, that's fine. I kind of just want to see them hit it into the ocean. I just want to see literally how far it could go. Because also, even if you're doing it in an empty stadium, I can see, per se, Giancarlo Stanton. He he hits a 125-mile-an-hour ball. That's breaking anything that it touches, right, if it's going into like left field. I think you need to have it in a field somewhere or just shoot it into the ocean like they do. Um, I want to say it was down in either the Bahamas or Dominican this summer. I saw a home run derby down there that was, uh, they were hitting it just straight up into the ocean, which is sweet. I just want a metal bat home run derby. That's all I want. But alas, I don't think we're going to see that ever. But that is just, there's all-star break stuff happening. There's other stuff happening. It was good to see, like, you know, Griffey, Brett Boone, Felix, Seattle people, former Seattle guys, uh, Celebrity Softball Game, Futures Game, like Raleigh Banyas was there. It's just cool to see a bunch of the the homies back in Seattle. But that's kind of the all-star break. I don't have much else to say about the all-star break, really. Um, It's fun to, to watch dudes go out there and have fun in the all-star game. I think the home run derby is probably the most exciting thing that they do. I do like the futures game because I like prospects and watching prospects. And I would point you in the direction of James Wood. If you haven't seen him, I tweeted about him just when you thought the ML, uh, the, like the young players of the league, just when you thought MLB had reached its quota of ginormous six, six, uh, speed power threats, coming through the ranks of the of the minors with O'Neill Cruz and Ellie De La Cruz. Nope, we're not done yet. James Wood would like to say hello. He is 6'6", I think 230, plays center field, hits dingers. Uh, he, I'm assuming we'll see him soon. I mean, the Nationals are bad. And so there's not a whole lot pre- preventing him 
for making it to the big leagues. I mean, Lane Thomas is good. And then Alex Call, who's been playing center for them, uh, has been really good defensively. And I know James Wood want to sticks or wants to stick with center. And I've seen anything and everything about him that says he could stick with center despite his huge frame because he's just that fast. Um, but that is the type of guy I want to see at the Futures game and in the All-Star game, for that matter. Those are the type of guys I want to see. I want to see these dudes who just will take BP and absolutely sock dingers. Uh, Jonathan Classe and Harry Ford, the Mariners' representatives in the Futures game, Jonathan Classe had a really cool diving catch, and then I also just saw he was hitting absolute taters during BP, showing, despite his slight frame, he's got a lot of power in there. He's got a lot of power. Good to see both of those guys in Seattle. Apparently, they've been they were roommates for a while, and they're really good friends. I mean, they've been in the the same ranks of the minors for a couple years or yeah, two years now, which is cool. Cool to see both those guys uh, up just joshing around in Seattle with each other, where their futures lie, hopefully. Uh, But yeah, there's not much else I want to say about the All-Star game. I I got snubbed. Julio, George, Luis are in. Julio, I need him to win the Derby and get the chain. That's all. That's my take on the All-Star game. Otherwise, before I talk a little Mariners, I'm bringing back B-Ref Player of the Week. Omitted it from last week's because it was a full episode. I had a lot of hypothetical trades to make to improve the Mariners, and now that that's over, we're going back to it. This is a short one. This is a short one. This is more of a fun name than anything with some fun little lore about it, but this B-Ref Player of the Week, he was born in 1858 on October 11th in Tyaskin, Maryland. He died July 23rd in 1920 in Baltimore, Maryland. He had an illustrious seven-year career. In the 70s and 80s, the 1870s and 80s, that is. This player is none other than the Buttercup Dickerson. Yep. Buttercup Dickerson, otherwise known as Louis Pisano Dickerson. But Buttercup is his name on baseball reference. Buttercup Dickerson, he put up 7.1 career war in his day. He played on a lot of different teams in seven years in professional baseball. He played on the Cincinnati Reds, the Troy Trojans, the Worcestershire Ruby Legs, the Pittsburgh Alleghenies, the St. Louis Maroons, the Orioles for a year, the Louisville Eclipse, and then finally ended his career with the Buffalo Bison. Not many baseball accolades for our man Buttercup here. He led the NL in triples in 1879 with the Reds, which is cool. Uh, He appeared to be a pretty good hitter back in the day. It's interesting on Baseball Reference, there's no record of stolen base or caught stealing for him, and I think this has to do with the kind of wonky history of stolen bases before, like pre-1900, I believe that baseball counted stolen bases sometimes, so I think I think you could steal a base, like I think you could take second base while the pitcher is throwing the ball no matter what happened with the batter. But I think they'd also count stolen bases. So if Buttercup Buttercup Dickerson, let's say, was on first, and his his peer at the plate just hits a single, and Buttercup legs it out to third base, they would count that as a stolen base because he took an extra base from second to third on a single, right? 
So any extra base you could leg out on the base path from a hit, they counted as a stolen base, I'm pretty sure. And I'm wondering why he has no record of stolen base or caught stealing a baseball reference. Maybe they just don't maybe they just don't count it for these guys because stolen it's not even like a zero. It's just blank. It's just completely blank, which is really interesting. Uh, but Buttercup Dickerson, he played outfield again. Not much baseball accolades to him. He he hit 284 in his lifetime, 500 hits, seven years, whatnot. Batted left through right, has a glorious mustache, and uh, looks like a very curly middle part in this photograph of him. Man, the mustaches back then went crazy. Um, but there's one particularly weird piece of lore to buttercup dickerson he is credited by the national italian american sports hall of fame as the first italian american to play in the majors but but conversations with family members have called into question whether the family has any italian ancestry what so was he lying? I don't understand really what uh, is going on with that, but maybe he was lying, but apparently family mem- yeah, family members have said that they're not aware of Italian ancestry. So it says on his Wikipedia page he is sometimes thought to be of Italian ancestry, but at least one historian and one family member dispute the notion. So, I don't know. Allegedly Italian-American, maybe not. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Who Really, who knows? It's a real mystery. Anywho, that's Buttercup Dickerson. That's the BRF Player of the Week. Shout out to Buttercup Dickerson. That is a fun little nickname. I tried to find why he was called Buttercup, and I just couldn't find out why so that's also a mystery that and his italian heritage alleged italian heritage but without further ado let's talk about the seattle mariners the seattle mariners entering the all-star break on a minor little heater dare i say it dare i say it they take seven of nine going into the all-star break they win series against the Tampa Bay Rays, the San Francisco Giants, and the Houston Astros. First time in a long time they have beat the Houston Astros in a four-game series in Houston. Honestly, very solid win. Houston was on, um, they were playing really well prior to that. They are a little banged up, but they are playing really well. I feel like the, the series victory is not only a morale boost, but it'll go a long way to deciding the playoff position because the, the Rangers have been kind of fumbling the angels really hit a wall in one game Shohei exited the game with blisters mike trout like broke a little little bone in like his wrist just swinging a bat like completely freak thing like couldn't have been prevented which really sucks for him and the angels um and then rendon fouled the ball off his shin in the same game all three of them out rendon doesn't really matter that much he wasn't really playing great but trout is now out for an extended period of time Shohei likely don't know about pitching. He can definitely hit. He hit two home runs the other night. He can definitely still hit. Pitching-wise, question mark for him. But right now, the Seattle Mariners are in sole possession of third place in the American League West. Six games back of the Texas Rangers. Four games back now 
of the Houston Astros and the wild card seemingly in position to challenge for this in the second half. Uh, this could have went a very different way the past couple weeks. They could have lost seven of nine, been way out of it by now, and you would have been, me as well, would have been a little bit uh, more nervous for the second half. I'm still nervous, but I'm, I'm optimistic with the way they've been playing. The offense has definitely been playing better of late. Mike Ford is lighting the world on fire. In the month of July, the three guys leading the Seattle Mariners in OPS, Mike Ford, Eugenio Suarez, and J.P. Crawford. Mike Ford with a 1,333 OPS in the month of July, hitting 440, 533, 800. He's been raking because it's his year, as everyone knows. As many people have said, many intellectuals, have called that it's his year. And Eugenio's started off the month great. JP as well. And then Julio, 844 OPS in the month of July. He's looking a lot more Julio-y. Still not really hitting for a ton of power, but he's he's putting good swings on the balls. He's getting on base a little bit more, and he's swiping a lot of bags. So while he's not providing a whole lot of value from the, the power standpoint this year, I mean, his slugging's 509. Or not 509. Sorry, that was last year. 413. Like really not, not where we'd want it to be with a 723 OPS. But he has, I think, 22 stolen bases this year, uh, playing tremendous Gold Glove center field defense. So he's he's providing value where he can right now without uh, with the power kind of taking a dip which is tough, but I'm not going to read into it right now. He's still hitting the ball hard. But that's been encouraging. I mean, the pitching has been insane. Uh, the pitching is, is picked back up. They had a brief little lull there, but they have absolutely been just phenomenal the past couple weeks. I mean, Logan Gilbert threw a complete game shutty in San Francisco against the Giants. He just threw another seven innings of one-run ball today against the Astros. Brian Wu looked great yesterday against the Strohs. He's past six starts. He's been one of the best pitchers in the league. Uh, I mean, we know Luis Castillo and George Kirby. Like, it's, it's really hard to put into words just how special this entire pitching staff is right now, specifically, and how it makes me nervous that, I mean, the front office knows the pitching staff is this good. This is a pitching staff that can win a World Series. It can absolutely carry a team to the World Series. The offense just needs to be there, and they just need to get into the playoffs because this pitching staff is just so good. I mean, Mariners PR tweeted it today that the Mariners pitching staff ranks tied for first in quality starts. First in strikeout to walk ratio, first in walks per nine, second in whip, second in FIP, and third in F4 in the league. Pretty insane. Pretty insane stuff. I like Brian Wu. Another tweet from him. Brian Wu over his last six starts, 2.2 ERA with eight walks, 39 strikeouts, posting a .89 whip and an opponent 176 batting average 
They tweeted this yesterday, July 8th, the AA American League WRC Plus leader since June 24th. Mike Ford, 263 WRC Plus since June 24th. Then Luis Robert, Shohei Otani, Kyle Tucker, and then J.P. Crawford is fifth on that list. Obviously, that's changed a little bit since today's games, but, like, good Lord. Good Lord. Like, they're looking... They've looked like a much more cohesive baseball team the past two weeks. They have looked more confident. Like, they're still kind of frustrating in terms of they'll still leave runners in scoring position where they really shouldn't with non-competitive at-bats. But it's... It's been a little less leverage in those situations where some of those situations have now been they need insurance runs uh, because they're already winning, which is a change of pace, which is a change of pace. Maybe it's just the warmer weather that's making the bats come alive. Maybe it's just it needed it needed to turn over to the month of July. I don't know. It's good momentum though going into the All Star break. All Star break, good momentum. They're within reach of the wild card right now. I mean, the division is still in play because the Rangers have cooled off so much. They're three and seven in their last 10. And I I still think they're a good team. I think they will still uh, make a move for another reliever or starter at the deadline. Potentially Houston, still a good team. Uh, The angels are reeling. The division's in play. They're only six back. They're only six back. It's just going to take some doing. It's going to take some something. It's going to take some offense. It's going to take a move. They're going to have to make a move. Because at this point, they're not far enough out of it. And by the end of July, when the trade deadline is actually deadline day, they will not be out of it. That's only three weeks unless they go on a crazy losing streak. After the All-Star break, they'll still be in it. And I don't know. They're going to have to do something. They're going to have to do something. And I talked about some names last week, but it's encouraging, at least what I saw this week. It's very, very encouraging. And they'll reload this All-Star break, and then they have a long home stand after the All-Star break, which is really nice. They play the Tigers in a three-game set, then the Twins in a four-game, and then the Blue Jays in a three-game set to close the, the homestand, but they're they're at home for a long time because Seattle's the all-star game, so that's a plus. That's a big, big dub. It's not really an easy schedule going forward, uh, not really at all. They have a way... They, the end of August has potential to... They could put on a run and take the division in, in late August, depending on how things break. But the last part of July and the early part of August are going to be tough. They're going to be very tough. But what can they do? What can they do? Will any moves be made in the All-Star break? I don't know. I I feel like no. I don't know if teams are quite ready to make huge moves yet. And But at some point, at some point a trade is going to be made that's going to domino all the other trades. I think a big, a big name is going to move and then it's going to be like, oh shit, okay. We got to get our shit together. We got to do something. But my point is they're playing great ball right now. They're playing great ball. Uh, the It's it's not been it's not refreshing. Refreshing is the wrong word. It's just not boring either. It's more some of these games have been like, yeah, no, that's great. Great inning. Great inning. A lot of runs. Oh, the pitching. Great. Bullpen. 
great. Like it's just been sometimes you don't need commentary to watch a baseball game and know that oh, this is just a good game, they're going to win, and they're going to win handedly. Like, I wish it was like that every game, but it's not. But with that, all that rambling done about the, the Mariners, and I do tend to ramble, you know that. They did make a move, however, they did make a trade. A very minor trade, it was it was Chris Flexen and Trevor Gott for a reliever named Zach Muckenhern, who I had never, ever heard of before this trade. Uh, the Mets... With, it was a trade with the Mets. They immediately DFA'd Flexen. Um, this this was just kind of a random a random trade. Um, I have a couple a couple things to say from just a blind fan perspective. It's like Trevor Gott was cheap. He's a very useful reliever. It appears I would say out of the core of like Brash Munoz. Even Penn Murphy, and he's on the IL, but when he was healthy, uh, but not now, I guess. So, so Munoz, Seawald, Brash, Topa, Saucedo, even because he's a lefty. I think Gott was kind of the odd man out. That that's just not to say that he wasn't good. He was definitely very useful, and I I would have hold, held on to him because he's because he's useful, but. If they think they can, they promoted Isaiah Campbell from the minors. If they think they can just pick up the slack from their minor league system, which I think they can, I don't think this is necessarily a bad trade. This is a, it's a classic. Just you give the Mets a useful reliever in Trevor Gott and flex in to get off the remaining like four, I think four, four million, four and a half million they owe him off the books. Uh, the Mets can just eat that and take Gott. Uh, who will be useful in their bullpen. And the Mariners get a lefty reliever who is in Tacoma right now, who maybe they they see something, see how, if he could be useful. Um, Spire's been awesome, and Saucedo's been great from a lefty perspective out of the pen this year, but you can never really have enough relievers in AAA ready to, to come up. It looks like um, he's, still, he's still in AAA. Uh, Darren McCocken was the guy who was going to come up um, with the roster spots opening, uh, so f- I have mixed feelings, but mainly I, from a business perspective, this is a good trade. I mean, you 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 save a little bit of money from flexing. Not that they needed to save it, but at that, it's like flexing wasn't doing anything on your roster anyway. So if you can get off his money, it's not just like a salary dump, and he was contributing. Then this would be a little bit more confusing. It was a clearly they. There was nothing else they were going to get from Flexen. And so I like this trade. Trevor got comfortably, you know, fourth, fifth best right-handed reliever out of the pen. And I am confident that they can replace his production with guys from the minors, whether it be Isaiah Campbell. I assume we're going to see Prelander Baroa up soon with this news. Uh, I mean, we've seen it with, like, Saucedo coming up this year and being a pretty solid contributor. I think they can replace what Trevor Gott has given them with guys in their minor league system. I'm pretty confident in that. As well as the starters have been going so deep into games consistently that they haven't necessarily needed to use guys that often. So I generally do think this is a good trade. It was a little confusing, but as like a front office, it's not like 
John Stanton was saying, hey, we got to save four and a half million to sign Shohei Otani next offseason. No, that's not how this works. It's like, well, they're being proactive. Again, it was a dead four and a half million sitting on their team that they could just offload and reload and basically act like nothing happened. And I think that's a plus. Uh, I think that's ultimately a plus. Although I did like Trevor Gott. I liked watching him pitch. I liked his uh, I liked his delivery. He was just really aggressive and robotic, mechanical. Uh, but that was that trade. Not much not much else there. I mean, I guess we'll probably see this mucking Hearn guy in the bigs at some point, see what he's got, but that's kind of a meh trade for me. I don't think we're gonna miss Gott. Uh, I appreciate what Flexen did the past couple years, but he clearly did not have it this year. For whatever reason, he really didn't have it, and they offloaded him. And if this just means we're going to see Perlander Barroa and his uh, fastball-breaking-ball combo up in the bullpen soon, then I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I want to see that guy in the big leagues because I'm a fan. And also because I want Baseball Savant to have his pitch data. I want to go look at his pitch data really bad. Yeah, because I imagine it's pretty pretty nasty. So they I guess they made a minor trade. I, it's Jerry DePoto. I'm sure many more trades will happen. Uh, but that one was kind of out of nowhere, too. That was kind of out of the blue. But I think it was because it was a businessy decision. We don't really think of these decisions a whole lot. And they kind of just happen. And this one happened, and, and that's it. So Trevor Gott is is gone, but not forgotten. He was the lone free agent signing before Edre Pollock for like three months. It was uh, it was like Trevor Gott's $1 million signing was the big big splash deal that John Stanton did. Uh, but he's he's gone. I, I'm excited, hopefully, to see Bro up in the bigs. But that's it. That's all for this trade. Otherwise... I don't have much else to update you on Mariners baseball. I am planning on having a midweek pod come out, hopefully Thursday, uh, post All-Star break, or post um, like Homer and Derby All-Star game, and MLB drafts, recap the draft a little bit, recap the Homer and Derby, uh, look at the schedule the next month, see what the Mariners have on their plates. Uh, and then maybe in the next few days we'll hear more trade chatter, potentially. Uh, see exactly who's on the market. We're kind of getting a better view of that right now. So it'll be an interesting next couple of weeks. It's 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 kind of it's a weird weird deadline feeling with this new wild card and so many like quote contenders. It's just a weird thing to get used to. There's not there's not going to be these these blue chip prospects flying around. Like teams are going to have to deal and be really smart about what they're dealing, who they're dealing with, addressing team needs in a very prudent way without mortgaging their future at all. I, I just, the halls, I just don't think are going to be as big. But we're getting there. We're getting close. We're getting to, whew, we're getting to the end of July. We're getting, not the end of July. It's mid-July. I can't believe it's mid-July. And I assume, you know, even even if the Angels might be on a slide, I think Shohei's staying on that team. I don't think he gets traded. I really don't. I can't. I don't even know what the haul would be, because I don't. I don't think teams are gonna pay much for rentals anymore with this third wild card. But it's also Shohei Otani. Like if he's traded, it would be insane, because what he's doing right now is is absurd. I mean, I was thinking about this last night. I can't. 
I can't wait to tell my my kids, my grandkids, that I was alive and saw Shohei Otani playing. I saw him live multiple times. I saw him pitch. I saw him hit home runs. I can't wait to tell that tale in in forty years to to my my kids and grandkids and stuff. Like I, he's amazing to watch. I just hate 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 that he's on the angels i still can't believe it i still can't believe he willingly chose the angels and they haven't done jack with him and trout it pains me to this day and now it just clears the way for him to sign with the dodgers i just it's just upsetting it's just very very upsetting but i'm rambling and that's because I'm going to end this one early. This is an early pod. I don't have much else to talk about. The boys are playing well. Geared up to make a move at the deadline. Geared up to make a playoff push. I think this team can do it. And all I want is them to not waste the current pitching staff that they have. Because we've seen with injuries this year to like Robbie Ray, Marco... But even if you forecast this pitching staff out for the next couple of years, you have Luis Castillo locked up for the next few years. He's healthy right now, though. You have two rookies, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Rookie contracts for the next two years, but still, they're healthy right now. You got Logan Gilbert, who will enter ARB soon. You got George, who will enter ARB a year after him. It's a dynamite staff right now. It's just... Shit turns really sour really fast with pitching. You can you always you can you can think you're in a good spot with pitching until you're not, and so it happens so often, especially just with a young pitching staff where you're like, no, we're fine for a couple of years with these guys. I you cannot say that. You have to capitalize now, and all that to say, Paul Goldschmidt would really help us capitalize on that right now. I mean, God, the Cardinals are awful. I don't know how they're so bad. But they're terrible. And all I want now is Paul Goldschmidt in a Mariners uniform. Give up Ty France, honestly. I don't I, I love Ty France, but Ty France has a ceiling. He is a high floor but a very low ceiling. I mean he's he doesn't hit for power. He's a solid defensive shortstop with a decent hit tool who's really slow. I love Ty France. But give me Paul Goldschmidt. Just give him to me. Uh, okay, whatever. No, I'm getting out of here. I, I, I'm I veering on on rambling more on trade deadline stuff, and I'm just not going to do that. I hope you enjoy this iteration of the podcast. There was absolutely no structure to this podcast, especially compared to the last one. That's how I roll. I There will be a mid-s- mid uh, midweek pod. I really will try to record one because I want to recap the stuff in the All-Star break forecast the next few weeks and also one of my buddies shout out to luke i'll shout him out again when i eat the cereal sent me julio's the cereal he's up in seattle he sent me them and i'm gonna have to eat them live on the pod i'm just gonna have to and give him a review uh so hopefully that'll come in the midweek podcast as well but that being said thank you so much for listening hope you have a great rest of your week if you're going to the all-star game really enjoy it it looks awesome take it in i mean it's really special to have uh the all-star game in in the city if you live near or in seattle even i'm not going to the game i don't live in seattle anymore but it's really special just to have the 
the all-star game revolve around your favorite baseball team. It's really cool. It's really awesome. Uh, but live that up. And of course, as always, goodbye and go Mariners.